Hallelujah. God is good. All right. Praise the Lord. Our Sunday services, we have uh, over the year, beginning of the year, the Spirit of God told us that this was the year of the overcomer for word of victory. Amen. I don't know what all the other churches are hearing, uh, but as far as this church and as far as the pastor of this church, amen, what he told us was this is the year of the overcomer, overcoming, conquering, amen, prevailing. Hallelujah. Areas of our lives that need to be overcome, we're overcoming. Amen. Areas that we have overcome, we're rejoicing. Praise God. And so anyway, what we've done every, uh, pretty much every week since I've been up here uh, on Sunday services is coming at you from a different angle, uh, dealing with overcoming and what it means to overcome, how we overcome, praise God, and uh, what that means. So anyway, uh, pretty much our Sunday services have been a series of series, you know, little series of, you know, several weeks long in the midst of a full-blown series. And so what we have done over the last uh, two, three weeks here, we have uh, talked about really uh, um, the power of just being uh, disciplined in our lives, amen, and what it means to be disciplined in our life, walking a disciplined life and a disciplined lifestyle. Uh, because if you know you can pray all day for something to you know to overcome an area and maybe and even maybe get a victory or get a, a breakthrough in something, but if you don't remain disciplined in some areas, it ain't long in the same old issues you had you got again. Can I hear a bigger amen than that? That's the truth. So we've been talking about being disciplined in our lives, and so the last couple of weeks we've talked about being disciplined concerning uh, our thought life. Amen. And the reason being is because our thought life leads to words, leads to actions, leads to choices, leads to decisions, amen. And so you're going to have, you got to be disciplined in, in what you think about, what you meditate on, amen. So with that said, we're going to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm just going to read it for an opening verse and then kind of shift gears in this and kind of head down another road here. Uh, but let's take a look at the, the, uh, the, the opening text in verse 3 of chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Even though we're in the, a natural body on this place called planet earth, doesn't mean that we war like natural people war. We, it's, it's, a, it's a spirit thing. Come on now. How many believe in an unseen realm? About half of you. Let's try that one more time. Uh, just for the other, just for the sake of uh, uh, you know everybody else, how many believe there's an unseen realm? Yes. Thank you very much. Amen. You know there's a heaven, there's a hell, there's angels, there's demons, there's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, and uh, it's all going on all at the same time. And so just because we may not see them with our natural eye doesn't mean it ain't going on. It's going on. Praise the Lord. So verse four says, "For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly or natural." But they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And of course, in context, the strongholds are dealing with patterns of thinking. Amen. We grow up our whole lives a lot of times just not even realizing. We're just growing up. We, we have families and, and all the stuff that goes on, the, uh, the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs, uh, the highs, the lows, all the stuff that goes on. And, and little by little, what ends up happening is we, <clears throat> we develop patterns of thinking. Now, sometimes those patterns of thinking can be good, but sometimes they're not. And so sometimes what happens, you know, here you come into the kingdom and now you're learning all kinds of stuff about renewing your mind and, you know, about being disciplined in your thought life and you realize that you have certain patterns of thinking that you got to overcome. 
It's just the facts. We've all been there. We all have to deal with it. And uh, we find ourselves sometimes, if we don't deal with it, that we have a tendency to slide right back into the same old routine, slide right back into the same way of thinking, slide right back into that uh, path of least resistance, and we just kind of go back to thinking like we used to think. And you got to get after it. Come on, somebody. It's a warfare. It's not a lightweight thing. It's a serious business to take authority over your thought life. And so he goes on to talk about here in verse 5, it says, we cast down arguments. Now, the word cast down means to lower with violence, okay? There ain't nothing about this uh, that's, uh, you know, this mild-mannered kind of stuff. This is pretty serious business. So we cast down arguments. That word arguments means imaginations and reasonings, okay? Uh, We cast down arguments and every high thing, every high thing, assumptions, opinions, theory, speculation, survey, and all kinds of stuff that come in and try to somehow lift itself or exalt itself against the knowledge of God, the Word of God, the ways of God, the principles of God. Amen. And here's how we do it, by bringing every thought. Everybody say every thought. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And once again, we've asked it every week, why does he, why does he say bring every thought into captivity? Because we can. Sometimes we think, well, you just don't know. That's just the way it is. That's who I am. That's, that's just how I think. Well, if you're thinking wrong, let's change it. All right? And the way you do that is you got to take every thought captive. Amen. Literally, as the, we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, to meditate means literally to take something and to lift it and to rotate it before your mind's eye. Everything that comes, every thought that comes, you should be able to take and say, is that a thought I need to be meditating on, or is that something I need to be casting down? Praise God. Are you still with me? Now, of course, we've taken a couple weeks and really hammered on this. Verse number 6, please, because this really is where, this is where we, we struggle most of the time. Most of the time as believers, we all have heard, you know, take authority over your thoughts. But how many know uh, just hearing it and understanding the principle of it or understanding the doctrine of it isn't enough. I'll, I'll try this side. Amen. How many know just hearing something and just, you know, knowing it's true and knowing it's good doctrine isn't enough? You have to apply it. If you don't apply it, it don't do you any good. So verse 6 is about applying it, being ready literally to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And this is where most people struggle. And I'm talking about, when I say most people, I'm talking about believers. I ain't talking about the world. The world don't know about this principle. Come on, somebody. But we as believers, amen, this is talking to us. In fact, this is a letter to the church, all right, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, when you made the decision, I'm going to start taking authority over my thoughts, and then, you know, all of a sudden you're going along. How many know that didn't stop the thoughts? Let's try this side now. Amen. How many know it didn't stop the thoughts? I mean, here come the thoughts. They're always coming. Here it comes. All kinds of things going on, stuff happening. You got stuff going on in your family, stuff going on in your life, stuff going on in your body. You got stuff happening. You drive by a billboard, and all of a sudden, there's something else to think about. Turn on the television, listen to the radio, something else to think about. All kinds of thoughts bombarding and coming. One person says this, and the next guy says he's lying. And this guy says this, and this guy goes back and says he's lying. Because there's all kinds of thoughts to think about. So what do you do with all this? 
You just let your head be a punching bag for the devil? No. We start punishing anything that doesn't line up. Come on, somebody. We take authority. We take dominion. This text is about us taking authority and dominion over our own thought life. If I could, I'd take authority over yours. But I can't. I just got to take care of my own. And to really, to be honest, it's enough to take care of. Anybody else with me on that? Amen. So we, this whole text is about us personally taking authority over our own thought life. Praise God. And so you got to be quick and ready to take authority over those things. When those things come to try to attack and try to dictate, try to elevate themselves, trying to control, you have to be willing to take it down. Praise God, because you said, I'm going to take every thought captive. Then you got to be re ready and willing to do that no matter what. I said no matter what. Now, what we touched on the last two weeks, and I'm going to bring it up again, and that is this, okay? Thoughts, amen, this is taking authority over your thoughts, taking dominion over your thoughts, taking every thought captive is God's way, amen, to really save your neck, save your bacon. Come on, somebody. Because if you take authority here, it's not going to cause some things down the road, all right? Because a lot of times we get down the road and we got all these issues because thoughts produce things. They produce words. Now, words can be, you know, a good thing or it can be a bad thing. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. So if thoughts are coming and all of a sudden you're speaking death, doom, and gloom, and misery, and trouble, and issue, and all that kind of stuff, it produces something. Or, praise God, you can have the right thought, start speaking life, praise God, and get some good things happening. Come on, somebody. Thoughts produce words. Thoughts produce actions behavior. Are you still with me? And a lot of times, you know, we, we can look at everybody else and say, that person's behavior, I don't like their behavior. Huh? Well, why do you think that behavior is happening? It's based on thoughts. Amen. Come on, somebody. And a lot of times what happens, if you don't watch it, you could be going crossways with your behavior because of the behavior of another. So you have to guard your thoughts. Otherwise, your actions your behavior, in fact, Romans 8 says you live according to your thoughts. Whatever you set your mind on determines the direction you're going. Amen. So thoughts produce words. Thoughts produce actions. Thoughts produce choices. The word choices just means what you select, okay? And what you select determines things, stuff like uh, what, who you're going to have covering you. Come on, somebody. You're going to have the blessing of the Lord in your life or you're going to have the curse in your life. That all comes based on choices that we make. Come on, somebody. Now, if your thoughts are wrong, if you're not taking authority over your thoughts, then when the opportunity to make some choices comes up, you're not going to make good choices. And then it's going to produce something in your life ain't nobody likes. Still with me? Amen. Another thing was decisions. Now, a lot of times same say decisions and choices the same, but the word decision itself means judgment call. A judgment called. Amen. So in other words, you come to a, a point where you yay, nay, good, bad, right, wrong. That's a decision. Amen. Now, if your thoughts are wrong, if you've been meditating on the wrong thing, when all of a sudden, well, the scripture says judgment day comes up, and all that means is a day or moment of decision. When judgment comes, when that moment of decision comes, you're going to make a wrong choice or, pardon me, a wrong decision because you've been thinking wrong. Has anybody ever made a wrong decision? 
All three of you. Wow. Let's try that one more time. Anybody ever made a right decision? All right. Has anybody ever made a wrong decision? Yeah. And a lot of times it's in those wrong decisions, in those wrong choices, in those wrong words, in those wrong actions that were over on this side, believing God for mercy. God, help. I need a breakthrough. I need a miracle. My mouth got me in trouble. My action got me in trouble. My choice, my decision got me in trouble. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Come on, right? That's what happens, you know. So anyway, praise God. This is what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. And today, we're going to talk more about what begins to happen kind of on this other end here. All right, and so uh, we're going to go to the book of Galatians, if you will. Next book over, chapter 6, please. God is good, huh? Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to read a text, and then we're going to go from there. We'll just kind of jump into this. So verse, I'm going to come to verse 7 of chapter 6, please. So Galatians 6, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. Now, how many know he says, if he says do not be deceived, means that you could be deceived. Okay, that's why he says that. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Look at, look at your neighbor and say, do good. Hallelujah. Do good to all, especially those who are in the household of faith. Praise God. All right. So let's take a look at this text, because what we're going to talk about today is sowing and reaping. All right. Now, the reason that being is sowing and reaping, uh, the principle of it uh, is not something that you can get away from. It's a principle that operates for whosoever and everybody. Come on, somebody. And uh, we'd like to say we don't, we don't, that don't apply to me, but it does. Come on, somebody. And so sowing and reaping, all right? Sowing and reaping. Uh, if you really even stop and thought about it, when you start thinking about even thoughts, even on this end of it, thoughts is about a seed being sown. And it produces then a harvest in a word or action, choice or decision, which then turns into a seed in itself. And then it starts producing a harvest. Are you still with me? So when you start thinking about a lot of things in our lives that we're reaping or the harvest in our life, a lot of times it's based on things that we've been sowing. Got awful quiet in this Holy Ghost house. Come on now. Sometimes that's exactly it. Sometimes what we're reaping is something that we've been sowing. Still with me? Which, again, comes right back to choices, decisions, words, actions that came based out of thoughts. We sit here, we meditate on it, it produces something, and it begins a, a, a whole other chain of events in our lives. And some of that stuff, man, it, you know, really, to be honest, the enemy just sits back and laughs at it. Most of the time, we want to sit and point their finger and blame the devil for everything. And don't get me wrong, he's probably the root of that mess. But when it really comes down to it, uh, most of the stuff that we're dealing with, uh, devil don't have to do nothing but stand back and watch. 
because of the principles that are operating and working. Are you still with me? All right, so let's go back up and take a look at this. Do not be deceived. Look at your neighbor say, you could be. Amen. One translation says, don't be under any illusion. Amen. Uh, the word itself, deceived, literally means stop being deceived. All right? Stop being seduced. Stop being affected by outside influence that leads astray is what that word means. Okay? Don't be affected by this stuff. Don't be deceived or seduced or under illusion uh, about this stuff. Amen. Don't be deceived. All right? You can be. Are you still with me? Many times what goes on is we're going along because of the thoughts and because of where we're at, how we're thinking and now what we're doing and saying. We think we're justified. And so we go on and we just keep doing, keep saying, thinking we're justified. Stop the madness. It just keeps a progression. Sowing more seed, more harvest, more seed, more harvest, more seed, more harvest. And the whole time the enemy stands back and laughs. That just kind of really depresses me a little bit when I think about the enemy laughing at Christians. Are you still with me? I'm talking about Christians. I ain't talking about the, the world that are out there. They don't know. They don't know any better. Now, they're still experiencing the same harvests and stuff with what they sow, but they don't know any better. But see, we know better. I mean, if you've been in this house any length of time, you've heard us talk this principle once or twice or ten times. Come on, somebody. So there's things that we might, you know, we might doctrinally know it's true, and we might even give our agreement to it. But if you're not going to exercise it and walk in it, come on, somebody, then you'll go on continuing sowing bad seed and getting a bad harvest. And the whole time you think you're justified. And here's what it comes down to. It Sometimes believers think, King's X, this don't apply to me because I'm justified. No, it's still seed being sown. Still with me? Now, it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. This word mocked means ridiculed. It literally means to turn up one's nose at another. Okay? And the implication is, when you, as you get into this in lexicons, the implication is that the reason they're turning their nose up at it is because of a sour experience or something didn't go right. Come on. So somehow or another, uh, we don't like the results or like what happened or whatever. So what we do is due to a sour, a sour uh, you know, uh, situation that we've been in, uh, some kind of experience we didn't like or whatever, we turn our nose up think, well, it doesn't work anyway or it doesn't apply to me or whatever. And here we are, Christians, turning our nose up at a principle of God Amen. God's trying to save your bacon. Uh, many times, uh, you know, all that you need is a right harvest. If you got a right harvest, that thing would be done. That thing would be handled. That thing would be fixed. That thing would be done with, praise God, just with a right harvest. And so what happens is it comes all the way back here again. Based on thoughts, we sit, we chew on it, we gnaw on it, we, we meditate on it, we, we keep things stirring inside that ain't right, and then we say words, we have actions, we make choices, we make decisions, and it creates this, this ugly yuck that nobody wants. And we need a miracle to get out of it. 
Am I in the right house? And so we're praying for things that God says, if you would just sow a right seed, that all change. But what we want to do is continue to say what we want to say, live what we want to live, say, you know, believe what we want to believe, choose what we want to choose, decide what we want to decide, and then just hope that God, you know, has enough mercy on the other end of this thing and changes it all, even though I created it. Now, praise God for the mercy. Praise God for the blood of Jesus. But that doesn't doesn't excuse or exclude the principle. Still with me? It still works. Don't be deceived. Don't uh, don't let the enemy uh, somehow deceive you, somehow get you thinking it doesn't apply to you. See, that's what he's kind of talking about here. Do not be deceived. Don't be seduced or somehow affected by an outside influence that will lead you astray. Still with me? We all think we're justified in our thinking. And most of the time we all think we're justified in our action or our decision. But what if it's wrong? What if it's wrong? Can I ask a simple question? Has anybody's thinking changed since you've been saved? Let's try that again. Has anybody in this house ever had your thinking changed since you got saved? Praise the Lord. I'm glad for the change that happened in me. Because I was going somewhere really fast. I didn't want to go. Come on, somebody. And having things happen I didn't want to have happen. All right? So I praise God that when I came into the kingdom and began to hear some of these principles and truths, amen, and began to make adjustments, amen, especially in this particular one of changing how I think, changing what I meditate on, changing what I set my mind on, changing, amen, when those thoughts come, amen, knowing what to cast down, uh, what to hang on to, what to let go of, amen, praise God. And when we do that, praise God, all of a sudden it automatically begins this transition of words, actions, choices, and decisions. They automatically begin to change, which then means good seed being sown for a good harvest. All right, let's talk about that for a minute. So, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever. Everybody say whatever. Okay, (laughs) whatever. Uh, Anyway, the word whatever means literally whatever thing, no matter what. Whatever thing, no matter what. Now, a lot of times, you know, when we're talking about sowing and reaping, we'll, we'll, we'll bring out the principle, especially like out of 2 Corinthians 9, uh, you know, other uh, texts that talk about, you know, when you give financially, here it comes back. And, 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 and no doubt, it, that's a true. It works in that. But how many know, even in this text, it's not primarily talking about giving in the sense of giving of your substance, but talking about just everyday choices that you make. What you sow, what you sow, whatever a man sows, whatever a man sows, no matter what, whatever thing you sow, no matter what. Now, the word sow means to scatter or to uh, broadcast seed, and it literally, again, uh, uh, signifies any seed sown. Everything becomes a seed. 
What you say becomes a seed. Your action becomes a seed. Your choice becomes a seed. Your decision becomes a seed. Everything you do becomes a seed. Whatever, whatever you sow, see, it all becomes a seed, all right? And whatever you sow comes back. Now, the word sow, or pardon me, the word seed in itself, maybe I'll just go ahead and define that. The word seed means that uh, from which anything springs forth, okay? It means a cause or action to an effect or an outcome or a consequence. In fact, J.B. Phillips' translation says this, that a man's harvest in life depends entirely on what he sows. Genesis 1 says, every seed produces after its own kind. Genesis 8 says that as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest is going to be there. Now, most people would stop and think, well, that's only talking about, you know, planting corn or planting beans or, you know, planting a fruit tree. Of course it produces all. Of course it all. That's why every seed still produces after its own kind. Come on. But, he, but here he's letting it be known, whatever you sow, whatever you sow, Whatever words and actions, choices and decisions, they produce a harvest. All right? Now, here we go. Let me give you a couple statements here. We determine the harvest we reap by what seed we sow. If you know your seed, you know your harvest. If you know what harvest you want, you know what seed you have to sow. That's the cool thing about the principle. God made it that way. If you know what you want, then you know what you have to sow. Well, I want friends. Well, guess what you have to sow? Proverbs 18 tells us that if you want friends, you're going to have to be friendly. Who'd have thought? Right? So it's all about, see, it's all about words and, and, and actions and choices and decisions. And, and so if you're not going to be friendly, you're probably not going to have friends. And then you're going to be all mad at God because you've got no friends. And God says, you're not very friendly. Now, we all look at that and maybe even have a chuckle or two on that. But how many know that's true, isn't it? If you want mercy in your life, if you want a harvest of mercy, guess what? You're going to have to sow mercy. Amen. If you're tired of being judged and being criticized all the times, and you want that change, and you're going to have to stop doing that. What you say, what you, what you do, what you choose, what you decide, all become seed that produces a harvest. Are you with me? All right, now, I'm going to say another statement. Don't blame, here we go, don't blame your harvest or the lack of the harvest on others or on the supposed will of God. See, a lot of time we think it's all going on in my life, it's all based on other people or it's based on what God's doing. It ain't. It's based on what you sow. Got awful quiet in here. Somebody said, well, Pastor, there's some things going on in my life that I didn't sow. Well, that you know of. See, it could have been words coming out your mouth. 
It could have been an action or two that you did. It could have been something you chose earlier on. Now, nobody wants to admit some of that mess, that harvest we receive, as being our own fault. But God says our harvest in life depends entirely on what we sow. And so what happens, we get mad at everybody else because of the harvest we're receiving or not receiving, depending on what we're talking about. Or we get mad at God for the harvest we're receiving or not receiving. You know, it's like, you know, over here praying for God to meet all your needs financially, and yet you won't sow anything in the ground. You won't put no seed, no financing. Come on. Let's, let's get through this message today. Okay? Work with me here so I don't have to come back next week and talk about it some more. Sowing and reaping. It's a principle that worketh for you or against you. So I'd rather have it working for me, not against me. So when you understand the principle of it and how it works, all you do is start making sure you do and sow good seed. You sow right seed, you get a right harvest. We dug up potatoes yesterday. Woo! Payday! Big old taters! I thought, wow. Boxes of taters. Man, they're like bacon, you know, like a, a baked potato type. I mean, I, I thought I was in Idaho for a minute there. Well, it all came based on seed being sown. Come on, somebody. Everything produces after its own kind, all right? So I'd rather have good harvest, amen, good returns, and not a bad one. Anybody else with me? All right. Well, somebody else is doing something to me. Then you have to determine what you're going to think about, what you're going to meditate on, what you're going to say, choose, decide, do. Come on, somebody. But again, if you're going to sit here and you're going to stew because something else happened or somebody did something or, or whatever, if you're, if, you're, if you're tired of being depressed, stop thinking on depression. If you're tired of being mad, stop being mad. Stop the thoughts that keep you mad. Or angry or offended or whatever it is, okay? Because it produces something. Then all of a sudden, on this other end now, not only is something else happening, you're sowing toward it. And it just keeps going. That's why I said the enemy just sits back and laughs because he doesn't have to do anything. You know, he might have been in the very beginning up here with a few thoughts coming your way. But, you know, if you take it and run with it, then he just has to stand back and watch while you just go ahead and self-destruct. But that's why he says, you know, take authority over those thoughts. Take them captive, praise God. Make a decision on what you're going to sow because whatever you sow produces a harvest. Still with me? All right. Praise God. Let's, uh, let's go to, um, let's look at verse, uh, well, well, let's work down. Let's go to verse 8 since the next verse here. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, again, who's he talking to? The church, talking to you and me, right? So he says if you sow toward the flesh, in other words, you're gonna, if that's what you're going to sow is flesh stuff, guess what? You're going to reap corruption. If you sow toward the Spirit, you do the Spirit thing, come on, then you're going to reap everlasting life. Now, that's not talking about someday in heaven. 
talks about a quality of life you get to experience right here. Come on, somebody. That's the truth. All right? And let us not grow weary, which the opportunity to grow weary is there. Am I right? Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. In other words, it's inevitable. Well, pastor, you just don't know what I have to deal with. I may not know what you have to deal with, but he does. And if you, regardless of what you're dealing with or experiencing, choose to do the right thing, then you, regardless of what they're sowing, will reap a good harvest. Still with me? Most of the time, this is where favor comes in. The favor of God is, is, is out there just waiting to get all over you. I'll try this side. Amen. The favor of God is out there just trying to get all, it just, it just wants to get all over you. Praise God. And most Christians miss out on the favor of God, even though it's readily available because of the principle we're talking about today. Because if you will just choose to meditate on the right things, amen, so that you're sowing right seed, it's inevitable. You will walk in the favor of God even when no one else will. All because you made a decision to guard what seed you were sowing. And it started with the seed you were allowing within your mind and in your heart. Amen. The word here is called seed. Mark 4, amen. Matthew 13, amen. This is referred to as seed. So he says if you set your mind on this, in other words, if you plant this kind of seed, sow toward the Spirit, that's what you meditate on, then you get a harvest of right choices, decisions, words, and actions, which then produces another good harvest. Hallelujah. Results out here in the blessing of God, the favor of God, the healing power of God, breakthroughs all around you, even when all hell's breaking loose and everybody else, you're walking tall, walking strong, walking blessed, walking favored. Because you choose to sow the right seed. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. In other words, don't you turn your nose up at the principle. Don't you act like it's beyond you or not for you. Don't you act like King's X, I'm justified. Are you still with me? You do the right thing, you will reap. And don't lose heart, don't back up. You know what this verse implies? That there's a few things you're going to have to really guard what you're sowing. Am I right? I mean, there's a few things going on, and you've got everything pressing. It's just kind of in your face, and you get up, and it, you know, it wakes you up, and you're, it tries to put you to bed at night, and keep hitting you in the head at night, and you're, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to sow the right seed. I'm going to think on the right thoughts. I take you foul devil, you foul spirit, get out of here. You foul evil thought, I cast you down. You've got to have to get with it. There is nothing about it that's, that's, that's this, you know, you know weak-kneed, Penny waste, come on, somebody. This stuff, man, you got to get serious with it. All right? See, if you don't take it captive, it'll take you captive. And then all it is is trying to get you to keep, keep, on, keep the whole thing moving by keep sowing the same old junk. 
and you keep reaping the same old junk. Somewhere along the line, there's got to be believers willing to do this. Somewhere along the line, there's got to be some believers willing to do the right thing. Somewhere along the line, somewhere, I hope Redmond, Oregon, Prineville, Sisters, Bend, Crooked River Ranch, Powell Butte, Terrebonne, Madras, Lapine, is there some Lapine? There could be in here today. I guess we do got some Lapine people. Amen. Okay, so, amen. So, let's just say Central Oregon. So, if I missed your town, I apologize. Anyway, somewhere in Central Oregon is a people willing to sow right seed regardless of what they're dealing with and faced with. Somewhere in Central Oregon. All right, verse 10. I thought I gave you that, didn't I? There it is. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially the stinkers in the household of God. Somebody said, well, your church has problems. No kidding. <laughs> well, I'm going to another. You're going to find the same problems. And chances are the same people you're running from will follow you. Why are you here? Because you need a Savior. And you need the Word of God. And you need what He has to offer. We all need this. And there's nobody in here exempt from it. And we've all had issues. And some maybe still experiencing a few. And sometimes we're not all friendly. Sometimes we're not all smart in our decision making. Sometimes the spirit of stupid actually does exist, and it does get on us. So we do things that we shouldn't have done, and we say things we shouldn't have said. Sometimes we didn't even know we did it. We're just, you know, uh, you know, I mean, we didn't know. We just did something and not even realize it it was offensive, or it hurt somebody, or it, it, it somehow made them mad or something. So when that happens to you, we don't go, I'm going to get even. No, we go, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for me to do good. especially to you. I choose to do what's right, to sow a do-good seed in the life of another, regardless of what they've done, said, chose, decided. Are you still with me? Now, we all experience things that happen, right? And so it, it, here it is, and somewhere, whether it was a seed you've sown or whether just somebody making truly just bad choices, regardless, you have a right to still sow good seed and get a good harvest. You can sit here and try to analyze it all day. 
I think there is a part where you've got to stop once in a while and say, am I reaping what I'm sowing? And if thus, I shall change. And if for some reason you think, I have not sown this, you have to decide, and I refuse to continue to sow this. Regardless, you have a choice to make. And regardless, you have an opportunity. Now, an opportunity, amen, most opportunities show up wearing coveralls and look like work. Well, I don't want that opportunity. Remember, whatever you sow, do not be deceived. For God shall not be mocked. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. So, Regardless of how that opportunity looks or feels, we choose life. We set our mind on the right thing. We take authority over the wrong thoughts. We refuse to speak words of death, take actions that, that are going to hurt another. We refuse to make choices and decisions that will somehow make us feel better for the moment that will only bring destruction, Whew. man, give me Matthew 7, 12. Put that on the board. Let's look at a few verses here. Matthew 7, 12. Therefore, this is, this is words of red. This is actually, well, of course, not here, but it is words of red. It's Jesus spoke. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, hey, how about, a, this is a great concept. Do also to them. He said, for this is the law and the prophets. Uh, would I have the new living? You want to pop that up there if you got that? Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This, I love this, this is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. This is from the beginning. He said, listen, you know, if you want that to happen for you, then you've got to be willing to sow that. Give me um, Luke 6 and uh, 31, I believe it is. There you go. It kind of says the same thing. It's in Luke's account. And just what, or just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Uh, message translation. Let's put that one up. All right. Verse 31. Here is a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. Here we go. Opportunity. Then grab the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-the-mill sinners do that. <laughs> if you only help those who help you, do you expect a medal? Garden-variety sinners do that. <laughs> If you only give for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's charity? The stingiest <laughs> of pawnbrokers do that. Come on now. 
All right, praise God. Go to Luke 6. Go to Luke 6. Amen. We'll wrap it up probably with Luke 6. I don't know. We'll see what happens here. Hallelujah. <laughs> Luke 6. We kind of mentioned a couple of them already, but we're going to take a look at it. Okay, so praise God. So let's go down. Let's jump down. We've kind of read the first few verses of it, but we'll go to verse 35, okay? Verse 35 says, but love, love your enemies, okay? That literally just means the hateful, okay? So he's summing up what, he just, what we just got done reading there, okay? Okay, well they're, well, they're my enemy. Well, he didn't say, you know, we, we know there's probably people out there that you don't get along with, you don't roll with, and, you know, whatever. But you got to learn, you still got, you're still on a main mandate from God to walk in love. Going to have to plow through that one, ain't I? <laughs> All right, love. Okay, this one here, uh, of course, is dealing with, with selfless kindness. So you still have to be selfless and still have to be kind. Well, they're not very kind. Yes, but they're going to reap what they sow. Now, I'm just going to throw this as a little side note, okay? You're not the one that determines who reaps and what they reap. Because sometimes we think, you know, they sowed it. Bless God, I'm going to give them their harvest. <laughs> that ain't how it works. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. So you're not the one that determines that. Every seed produces after its own kind. So they'll get their harvest, you'll get yours. And about the time you start praying that they get a harvest, amen, then again you're crossing another line because now your heart's wrong. What did Jesus do? Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Amen. That's where we come from. Amen. So you learn to pray for people. Amen. So he goes on. But love your enemies, do good and land, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Everybody say sons. Now this word sons, you know, it's, it's the word is weos, is the Greek word, weos, which just means a mature one. And you know, some of the things we've been talking about in both Sundays and Wednesday services are really grow-up messages. These are all grow-up messages. Because if you don't want to do this, it just tells me where you're at. You're probably still in the nursery. No offense. It's just the way it is. If you want to be offended at everybody, want to be mad at everybody, want to get even with everybody, uh, it's, it's time to come out of the nursery. Come on, somebody. And it's time to grow up. Now, People that are willing to do this, it says you're going to be weos, mature ones of the Most High. Amen. Why? Because you're taken after Him. So then the next verse, verse 36, says, Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Huh? Be merciful. I said, be merciful. What do I do here? How about be merciful? Well, I don't like, be merciful. Sow a good seed in the ground. Amen. Whew. Be compassionate. Are you still with me? Verse 37. 
Judge not to call in question, to determine the sentence of, to conclude. Hmm, I conclude that you're a rascal. I conclude you need to go down. I conclude that somebody needs to get. Mm -hmm. Huh. Literally means to mentally decide or to distinguish. I'm looking at you and I'm distinguishing what you really need. That's judge. Still with me? You sow that, here it comes. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Literally means to pronounce guilty. Okay? So to condemn someone is you've already just pronounced them as guilty. Now, has that person maybe done wrong? It could be. Is that person, uh, you know, doing you wrong? It could be. It could be. But what are you going to do? You're going to continue to add to it? What's that one phrase, uh, add uh, insult to injury? Is that what it is? That, am I saying it right? You know, so you already got a mess here. So now what you're going to do is you're going to add to it? You got this thing going on, so you're going to jump in there and now cause even more? So somewhere along the line, is there a people in the Central Oregon area who will stop the madness? About three of you. Thank you. All I need is three to start. Listen, listen, you, could you imagine how much mess we could shut down if we all just said, I refuse to go there. I choose life. I choose the blessing. I choose mercy. I choose forgiveness. Well, I don't like this. Some days I don't either. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't think that's, that's right. Some days I don't feel like it either. Because some days I want to punch a stinker. Yeah, I know. And then I have to repent, get my heart right, start changing my thoughts. How come I always have to change my thoughts? Make him, make her, make them. God says it doesn't matter. Whatever you sow, son, I'd love to help you. Got all kinds of favor, all kinds of blessing right here with your name on it. You just don't seem to want it bad enough. You just got to get in the flesh, don't you? Got to get even, don't you? Got to give them a piece of your mind, don't you? Nobody needs a piece of that. <laughs> Nobody. See what I'm saying? It's so easy to go down that road. And it is a challenge sometimes. 
But it's an opportunity now. I said it's an opportunity. Years ago, you know, uh, one of the verses that changed my life was uh, verse 23 of this same chapter. It just says, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. And the whole thing in context was all this stuff was happening and going on. And basically it come down to this. Are you going to let all of it control and dictate your life? Or are you going to change it? Well, then change it. So that was, a, that was something I could do. Rejoice. I can rejoice. I can do that. Well, sometimes I don't feel like it. Well, that makes it a sacrifice then. Go ahead and just do it anyway. And leap for joy. Well, that was weird. <laughs> but I'm free. <laughs> I got free by doing that. And people were doing me wrong. <laughs> they were doing no-nos. <laughs> and I decided I ain't going to let it get to me anymore. And the day I did what he said to do in the book, I did it, and I got free. Amen. And it came down from there on. Every time that kind of stuff tried to come up again, I changed my thoughts by doing a, a physical action, by beginning to praising him, worshiping him, and even jumping for joy. Praise God. Yeah. Somebody give the Lord a praise. <clears throat> All right. So judge not, you shall not be judged. Condemn not, you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Verse 38, praise God. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now in context, he's talking about uh, walking in love. He talks about generosity. So this is even dealing with generosity. Amen. And it's, it's about giving, about blessing someone. Well, they don't deserve it. Well, maybe they do. Maybe you're just judging somebody. Maybe, maybe your seed or your gift might be the very thing that changes their life forever. You may know what I'm talking about? Maybe that, that by itself might be the thing that turns the whole thing around. I've seen relationships restored because of a verse like this. Literally, relation, I see families restored because of this. Willing, even though in the natural, all you want to do is get even, but you say, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to bless this person. Amen. And when you did, all you did is keep your, your harvest wide open for something good. And for whatever it's worth, I'll just throw this out here before I let you go. It's in them rough moments that it counts the most. <laughs> the truth. You want to be a stinker? I'm setting myself up for a blessing. <laughs> go ahead, be a stinker. <laughs> now, nobody wants to be stunk upon. 
That just did not come out right. Nobody likes to be done wrong. There you go. Okay? Nobody does. But when it happens, why not just choose to do the right thing? Be merciful. Be kind. Be forgiving. Come on, somebody. Be giving. And sow right seed. And get a right harvest. Are you still with me today? Woo! There's a lot of other verses I wanted to go to, but I'm going to just go to the one that we quoted earlier out of Proverbs 18, and we'll close with this. In fact, why don't you all stand up? That'll make you feel better, make you feel like we're actually going to be done. <laughs> I still got an hour to go, but, yeah, but you'll at least feel better. <sighs> Proverbs 18, 24 says this, A man who has friends. Must himself be friendly. Amen. You want a friend? Be friendly. Okay. But then it says, but there is a friend who sits closer than a brother. Now, of course, this really is all covenant talk. And when you kind of deal with what he's talking about here, it's just, it's about covenant. That even a covenant brother, a covenant friend, amen, can actually be more, uh, you know, willing to go the distance more in your life than even a brother, kin, blood, relative. Are you still with me? And that's what it's talking about. But I think we all know the friend who definitely sticks closer than any brother. His name's Jesus. Now, has Jesus not been merciful to you? Some of you have been such stinkers. And I know, I know a few things. I might not know everything, but I do know a few things. And I know a God has been merciful in your life about. And I'm thinking to myself, now why would you want to be unmerciful to somebody else when the whole time in your own life, God has covered you and forgave you and been merciful to you? I mean, why not share the same mercy, amen, as your heavenly Father has done for you? Can I hear a big amen? Give the Lord a praise. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise and glory. We thank you, Lord, once again for these principles. We thank you, Lord, for really just waking us up a little bit and growing us up a little bit. Thank you, Lord God, for a people that choose life, that choose to meditate on the right things and say and do and choose and decide right things so that they're sowing right seed to receive a right harvest. And Father, forgive us for the times that we've sown junk, the times we've sown the bad seed, the weed seed, or whatever. Forgive us for the times that we've sown stuff that whew, we had no business sowing. And we thank you, you're faithful and just to forgive, and we receive that, and we thank you for it. But Lord, we choose. Hallelujah. We choose here, right now, amen, to take authority and dominion over our walk, over our thoughts, over our actions and choices to sow good seed to receive a good harvest. We open up ourselves, hallelujah, for mercy, for forgiveness, amen, for favor, for the blessing. Oh, hallelujah. And we give you praise for it. Hallelujah. 
Now, with every head bowed, I'm just going to ask a question again. I mean, we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. His name's Jesus. You may be in here today and say, I have never accepted Jesus in my life, but man, I need to. I need Jesus in my life. I need a Savior. If you're in here today and you say, I've never really done that, but I know I need to do that, I want you just to wave at me, if you will. Is there anybody in here that say, that's me, Pastor? Amen. I'd like to pray with you if I could. Anybody in here that say, that's me? I want, I want Jesus in my life. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Anybody else in here? Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Well, brother, can I pray for you? Come on up here, brother. If I can, can I pray for you? Come on up. Hallelujah. Praise God. Give the Lord a praise. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Brother, praise the Lord, man. All right. Praise God. Lift, just extend your hearts and hands this way. Father, we give you praise and glory right now for what you're doing in our lives and what you're doing right now in our brother's life. Father, he's choosing you. He's choosing your way. He's setting his mind on you. Hallelujah. And Lord, as your word says, that if we believe in our hearts that, that uh, you raised him from the dead and we confess him as Lord, that we would be saved. So I thank you right now, hallelujah, for working something in his heart, and I give you praise for what you're going to, hallelujah, bring forth from his mouth. Just say this, Lord. Say, Lord Jesus. Go ahead and say it, brother. Jesus. Lord, Jesus, Lord Jesus, I receive you now. I receive you now. Into my life. Into my life. Into my heart. Into my heart. Into my, uh, every dealing of my life. Every dealing of my life. You are Lord. You are Lord. You are Savior. You are Savior. And I will trust in you. I will trust from in you. From here on out. From here on out. I will trust you. Trust you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise amen. God, brother. Praise God. Man. Praise God. Appreciate you, brother. Now, uh, Rod and Amy right there, well, you go connect with them right there. They got a couple things for you, brother, and want to pray with you again, all right? Praise God. Give the Lord a praise. Come on, somebody. All right, so praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.